The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of its hosts, guests, or callers, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of WTBR-FM, its management, other producers, or sponsors. Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units, stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Today is Friday, January 6, 2023, and this is our first new live episode of the new year. Happy 2023, everyone. My name is Mike Wynn. I am the co-host and one of the co-producers of this allegedly sometimes weekly radio show. Uh, I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield, at least for the next six months. Uh, let's get a check of the weather and talk about a couple news items, and then we'll get to our show. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, snow, rain or sleet this morning, then rain this afternoon. Snow and sleet accumulation of 1 to 3 inches. Near steady temperature in the mid-30s. Southeast wind around 5 miles per hour, becoming west this afternoon. Chance of precipitation 90%. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Cold with lows in the upper 20s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Saturday, mostly cloudy. Highs in the upper 30s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour with gusts up to 20 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in, either uh, by the radio or if you're watching the stream. Um, what's newsworthy? I think we have to lead with the, the lead story that the Commonwealth of Massachusetts has a new governor. Uh, the Commonwealth executive and legislature were sworn in for the new administration yesterday. I was disappointed. I, I actually was invited to the... Uh, inaugural celebration and I couldn't go because I had already committed to teaching a community class here last night. Um, I don't have a, a strong working relationship with Governor Healy, but I did have the opportunity to uh, attend her swearing in as the AG and I've spoken to her several times um, since she's been in state office and she's been to several chiefs conferences. Um, spoken to her in my role as a post commissioner. Uh, and so I really would have liked to have been there to, to celebrate her victory. Um, you know, it's a, a change from a Massachusetts Republican governor to a Massachusetts Democratic governor. But um, from all I know about Governor Healy, uh, she's going to be a benefit and an asset to law enforcement. So positive change for us. Uh, also in the news today, uh, it's reported in today's Berkshire Eagle um, homicide trial starting in Berkshire Superior Court um, kind of getting back onto what we could think of as a normal court schedule so all kinds of cases from the last several years being brought forward and uh, the judge is hoping at least to get this one fast-tracked uh, so you can check out the details on that and I would be remiss this week if during the news segment, we didn't talk at least briefly about what is going on in Washington, D.C. Um, you know, I, I don't want this to be a political discussion, but come on, do your job, right? It's been three days and 11 votes, and we don't have a Speaker of the House of Representatives. Um, at this point, really for posturing, and no work can be done. Um, you know, We elected people to go to D.C. to do the work of the people. Do the work of the people. Um, figure it out. And let's get the country's government back functioning. So we're going to, excuse me, <clears throat> going to have to shift programming this morning a little bit. I'm joined in studio this morning by uh, Officer Darren Derby, our safety officer and community engagement officer. And we've got Dave from PCTV and WTBR working the board for us this morning. Good morning, Dave. Hello. Um, if, because we had a guest lined up uh, who is... Uh, an intern who started with us this week, a student from Mass Maritime Academy, and Lieutenant Hill, who normally would be on the board uh, and is responsible for arranging talent. Um, his, unfortunately, I don't want to get into the details, but it looks like we may have another uh, virus outbreak among some of our staff. So the lieutenant uh, self-reported that he couldn't come in, and he spent 
an entire day with our interns so uh, we basically told them to stay home makes sense yeah um but we've had a couple positive cases reported in the department in the last week and you know it's this thing is not gone we're definitely living with it but our people are out in the community they're in close contact and so uh, you know we're at risk of exposure and it just keeps popping up we've got one staff member i think he's had it five times oh my um so be safe be healthy take precautions uh, if you're not feeling well stay home you know don't spread it to other people anyhow that's enough about that let's uh let's talk about some stuff that's going on in the department good morning darren good morning chief how you doing good can what's you hear me okay yeah what's your partner doing over there uh he's <laughs> doing what he does best were nothing you, were you on duty <laughs> when you put that post up yesterday uh, I was not. You were not. You just, I was not. You were doing the shopping. Uh, yeah. So when he's with me, um, and for those of you who don't know, we we co-parent. So if he's he's usually with me weekdays, and then uh, he's at the chief uh, the chief's house with his family on the weekend. So wherever we go, he goes. Okay. So last night I take him to the grocery store, and you know he's a big hit, but I can't just go in there and leave because right. there's a line of people that want to pet him. And so yeah. That post was hilarious. <laughs> so if if you don't follow uh, Officer Derby or Officer Winston on the socials, you're not on the department's page, you don't know. There was a display near the pet, near the uh, pet section? Uh, it's in the back yeah. uh, to the right of the deli. This is Market 32? Or, yeah, to yeah. the or to the right of the meat section. Yeah, so there was a display of large, large, like enormous stuffed animals on an elevated platform. And did you have to put them up there? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Officer Derby placed Officer Winston within the display of stuffed animals, and he really looked like he belonged there. He, he looked like... like he wasn't you, happy at the beginning. I'm sure, but <laughs> if you left him there long enough and kind of like did a hidden camera thing, somebody would have tried to purchase him. Well, I was... Um, so I had, people were wondering what I was doing over there. There was kids on the left-hand side who had just met him at the uh, meat, uh, the butcher shop, and then there was a new family coming from uh, like the bakery section. So I'm hidden in this little cove trying to put them together. And then as I back up, people are like, where'd the dog go? And they see me, you know, fixing my camera and I'm stepping back even farther. And they're like, oh, and you can hear him say, oh, no, what's he doing with the dog? <laughs> and the kids come around going, oh, my gosh, there's a dog in there. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but no, if you were shopping in Market 32 and you were tempted to try to buy the large stuffed uh, poodle in the display, <laughs> Officer Winston is not for sale. But if you'd like a small scale replica, yes, you can yes. come visit us at PPD headquarters and we can hook you up with a mini winning. I should have put that in the post night for that. So. Yep. <laughs> you yep. can edit it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about community engagement before we talk about stuff that's changed in the department. What's going on in, in the realm of community engagement and safety? Um, I think, you know, it, it, in, we've had this conversation numerous times in the past with COVID, everything kind of just shifted um, to a direction where it wasn't really uh, in person. And, you know, you lost track of a lot of families and individuals that are, you know, um, in need of help, community help. Um, so as of recent, I've been spending more time in the shelter, uh, the St. Joe shelter, uh, spending more time. There's kind of like a, uh, it's not an impromptu, but it's a weekly coffee, uh, with, uh, a church at the Dottie's, uh, coffee house on Thursday, uh, prior to the hub meeting. So I've been trying to get to those just to hear about what's going on in the street, um, That's community wise <clears throat> and. That's Reverend Jenny's yes. Cathedral of the Beloved, right? Yeah, thank yeah. you. I, I should remember that by now, but I don't. So, um, but other than that, just trying to you know still addressing some of the concerns with the Panhandlers uh, down on North Street, and it's, you know as we've spoken before, it's you know with their constitutional right, it's you know we have to really we're, we're stepping on thin ground on either side and trying to come to a uh, a happy medium where they are still allowed to you know have their first amendment rights but not um be so aggressive yeah you know and so we've spoken about this with some of our community partners we've spoken about it in other community forums just two points that we that the department needs to constantly hammer on this the act of panhandling the standing there holding the signs asking for money is not a crime and if you call us and report a panhandler We're going to log it, and that's pretty much what we're going to do. That is completely different than 
threats, intimidation, assaults, and or battery. But how things get reported matters, right? If, if somebody that you don't know approaches you aggressively and demands money, technically that's an attempted robbery, right? It's not panhandling. Report it as what it is. Tell us exactly what happened so we can log it properly and send the appropriate resources. Um, I've had conversations with other members of the administration. They're like, well, we called and we told, you know, there's a panhandler. It's like, yeah, we can't do anything about a panhandler and we can't read your mind. Um, so be descriptive and tell us exactly what happened so we know what it is that you're reporting. Yeah, you know, in one of our biggest problem areas has been um, and continues to be is that McKay Street, Street area. area. Um, you know, it is at times dark, um, you know, or just not very well lit. Um, you know, inside the garage can be dark. And, and we, out of all people, understand that, especially um, from a female perspective, when you're in there, it's dark. Right. Um, and all of a sudden you come out of just nowhere. And this is usually what happens. They just come out of nowhere because they're just kind of lurking around and just saying, hi, you know, do, do, you have a, do you have any money? Do you have a dollar? I'm right. looking to get cigarettes. And that can be very intimidating. Right. And that can, to some people, seem aggr- an aggressive tactic. But in all reality, under the law, it's not, I mean, they're, all they're doing is asking. asking. And there is no law that assists us in taking care of right. that particular situation, although we will have a conversation <laughs> with them. However, how, how, I mean, yes, because, so if, if we have a, Serial offender who's doing that time and time again. Yeah, we will have a conference. Look, don't walk up on people and surprise them. You're scaring people, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the so just so everybody is aware, particularly in that situation, because we have times of high pedestrian traffic volume. We, there's there's some times of day that we can predict that there'll be a, a heavy flood of people at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, and we have extra checks requests logged for those times of day as long as we have personnel available. We can be in the area. We can pay attention to that. What we really don't know is if it's off hours, if it's out of the routine traffic flow, if somebody worked late. And if that's the case and you've experienced this, give us a call, right? Say, I'm getting ready to leave my office. I'm walking to the McKay Street parking garage. If there's a downtown unit available, we'll just swing by, right? And swing by, turn on the, uh, the I don't even know what they're called now, the, the low-vis lights. Yeah. The cruiser, not, not cruiser lights, but. Yeah, um, the corner, the, yeah, uh, the corner uh, light, yeah, yeah. cruise lights. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can call and ask us to do that. Is we've got a unit available, we'll be more than happy to do it. You know, um, I personally just being out there every single day looking for those individuals and just kind of monitoring, you know, some of the issues that we're dealing with on a daily basis to take that pressure off a of patrol. I'm seeing less uh, of the panhandling in the last, I don't know, probably two three weeks. Um, Thanks to uh, Lieutenant Bradford with the whole, uh, uh, we were inundated with the panhandling at 555 Hubbard Ave at the intersection. That is private property. Um, Lieutenant Bradford um, took that and, and called the, the property know, manager. Property yeah. manager. They took care of some other stuff, but while there, so gave us, you know, said, hey, listen, no, I don't want those people on my property. Um, please trespass them. So for the most part, that's 90%. Um, dealt with. Um, there's others, but with calls for service and and we've had similar to... conversations with other property owners. If you post your property and tell us you don't want anybody who's not employed there, not there, they've legally been trespassed. And now there is something we can do about it. Yeah, but we can't do that on your behalf on private property. Correct. Um, and then uh, so that's been taken care of uh, for the most part. Um, and then um, I don't see Park Square has not been. Um, as heavily there's uh, somebody out there every day well there change. is but not as much uh one of the gentlemen that used to be out there he is he is now housed right. again in a different area um but you know just talking with them most of them uh you know they're on a fixed income they're you know whatever issues they got going on that they're battling personal battles and um I, you know i always try to remember that you know they're human and people <clears throat> always say hey you know like well it should be illegal for them to do that I'm like listen you know it, it's their constitutional right to hold a sign and ask somebody for help and ask somebody for money. It's your constitutional right not to give them money. So this this is the other important point I wanted to make on this because look, we understand that people want to be compassionate. People want to help. But if you are engaging with somebody who is soliciting money on the side of the road, you are not in fact helping them, right? You're enabling them. You're You're encouraging and continuing the behavior. If 
the source of income dried up, they would either relocate or seek services. So the people in it, I watch it, you know, as I'm trying to get out of out of um, Allen Street to, to turn in with the cruiser, I watch it every day. I mean, people are either pulling up at Park Square and handing people money, they're handing them cigarettes. It's not helping, right? If you want to help us solve the problem, stop giving them stuff on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. You know, and <coughs> uh, and then um, I'm trying to think of uh, one of the other things that we're dealing with is um, just different homeless encampments. Um, but we also know, and in, in from your years of service and community work, we move we, we remove the issue from one area yeah, yeah. and it, it just goes to another yeah, and then goes to another um so it's it's a endless battle um but Un- just, unless we develop more resources right correct. more housing correct. stock more shelter beds yep right yep and and even that is not going to entirely take care of the issue because we know there's a certain segment that are homeless by choice mm-hmm. if they're you know that's their right and they're exploring their freedom yeah, they don't, you know, as a human, I, I get it. I understand, you know, they don't want to be told when they can do yeah. this and do that. And and they want to sleep in, they want to do this. I mean, that's their right. And who are we to say, hey, you can't sleep on the street. Um, but All right, so we've, we've, we've been on that topic a lot. Let's move on a little bit. Um, your portfolio as the safety officer and community engagement, it's, it's broad. You got a lot going on. So you, you just graduated a D.A.R.E. class. Yes. Yes. You you deal with the issues that we talk about with quality of life issues. You do some of this um, site security and uh, crime prevention through environmental design assessments. You, you're you in the neighborhoods. You're kind of checking on your families. We haven't really talked about you got this mindfulness program going oh, yeah. on with some of the kids, <laughs> which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it's, it's gotten off to a slow start, um, which I'm learning is just par for the course that's what happens um, with program development yeah you know um <clears throat> but michelle um the the instructor she is great she is enthusiastic um i just so happened to meet her at dotty's during that coffee hour um with uh, pastor jenny and just said hey you know like if, if you're ever interested i'm kind of just thinking out loud about a you know a program you know a pilot project for one of my housing developments and with the stress and that was like a 10-minute conversation that ended with, I'll see you Saturday. Um, so, so we've talked about our, our relationship and our interaction with Kripalu in the past, but it's been a long time. So most of our listeners may not know or may not remember. I'm sure our viewers don't that know. Um, and p- for people who are new to the program, they may find this surprising. So the Pittsfield Police Department in particular, but not just us, other public safety in, in Berkshire County, we are blessed because we have the Kripalu Institute for Yoga and Health in the county, in Stockbridge and Lenox. And Kripalu runs a program called RISE, which is a resiliency and mindfulness um, program. It, and it was originally developed for children, but they've expanded it over many years. And they have a specific program and track for public safety and I've attended the RISE program. You've attended the RISE program. I just I was going through some training stuff, and I just realized that it was one of the last trainings um, I completed before the pandemic hit, which is just fortuitous timing. Um, but when I went through, were you in my group? Uh, yes. Yeah. No. Yes. One, yeah. Yep. So when we went through, we had several of our classmates who were with NYPD, and they were they had been sent up there. Uh, because NYPD, through their health and wellness unit, was forming a yoga program uh, where they have a cop, an NYPD cop, who is a yogi, and her job is to go from precinct to precinct conducting yoga sessions for cops who are coming through off of some critical calls. Um, I still follow their I, I still, still follow their unit. I still follow them Insta. and their individuals, and yeah. we, you know, we still chat once. And if I go down there, I try to reach out to them. Um, but So we get... The, Kripalu is very generous with the scholarships they provide to us so we can send people down there. Um, and a bunch of our people have been through it in, in various iterations. But the instructor that Darren is referencing, they want to do something in the community with the kids. And Darren's got populations of kids that, you know, and some of our, um, our 
housing developments have community rooms. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And it's nice, you know, I, I've, um, just from over the years, um, working with, um, both Pittsfield housing and, you know, other, uh, entities that have the housing developments, um, they are more than welcoming, um, to get somebody in there with programs. And, you know, as long as, you know, their main issue is Corey checks and, yep. but with the police, and, and I said to that in a meeting with them, I said, you know, with the police, we can just come in. Right. Um, you know, we don't have to worry that. about that. Um, <clears throat> you know, we have, we have some funding. We have some backing from uh, the public and organizations to get in there and quickly establish something right. uh, that's needed versus, you know, you have an organization, you need a plan, you need all these things. Find grants, find the funding. Correct. Um, and everything <clears throat> revolves around money, but we, you know, we're, we're thankfully, we can do that without really the, the necessary funding that most of those other community organizations have. Um, and we don't have to go through all the, as I like to say, I don't like red tape. You don't have to go well, through all that. So just to, so everybody knows what we're talking about. Um, God, how long has it been? Eight years now? Since we kind of formed Operation Bridges, uh, I, yeah, probably eight years. Yeah. So, um, you know, even before he became full time as as a, com- a community engagement team member, uh, when Darren was still in patrol, he's very interested in doing this work, and so he came up with a couple of ideas. Uh, first, it was the Pink Patch Project, and then at my request, we did the Veterans Patch series, autism, yep. autism, and then eventually we wanted to do uh, Operation Copsicle, and we had very, very generous community partners who wanted to help with that. You know, for like the 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 truck for Operation Copsicle, you know, uh, there was that was basically provided. But the department, the municipality, we can't we can't just do that, right? We're not allowed to solicit funds. So Darren was successful in partnering with a local community organization, a very generous community organization that was willing to partner with us, so donations can be made to an established. 501c3 nonprofit and then we have access through this operation bridges to do these projects uh outside of the constraints of of government Uh, and it's not a ton of money but it's money that wouldn't otherwise be there and darren has pretty much unrestricted access to it it quickly um and so you know and that's important because you know, especially on patrol, we run into people, and it could be that they've had a house fire. It could right. be, you know, Christmas time. We've had it where presents were stolen. We've, you know, have a suspect or whatever, and we can kind of vet certain yeah. things and say, you know what, okay. And they'll call me and just say, hey, this is what's got going on. I'm like, okay, I'll meet you at this place, and yep. you know, we just open up the account and get whatever we have to get. We don't really, you know, we'll ask questions later. So <clears throat> I don't, <clears throat> I don't know that I've talked about it on the program. I know you and I have talked about this. My first full year on the job my first christmas my first call out of roll call was a residential b&e where the target was the christmas gifts <laughs> a single mom took her children to her mother's house so she could go to midnight mass and while she was gone an ex booted the front door and stole the christmas gifts it's christmas morning right we, we can get the bad guy without having tools like Darren has helped us build, we weren't going to be able to save that Christmas. And that, you know, I can, I can, I used to say it impacted me. I can now, you know, having done a lot of work, I was traumatized by that because our inability and our powerlessness to fix that problem devastated me. And, you know, my family members know, I didn't do Christmas for several years after that because it was ruined. Right, mm. it, it was the the spirit of the holiday was ruined in that one call, and it took me a long time to get back to it's okay. I can I can be around normal people on Christmas Day, um, and you know, that wasn't fair to my family. And you know, there's nothing I can do to make up for it. But now we do have tools that if that call happened in Pittsfield today, we could fix it. Um, but it took a long time to get there yeah you know and i think it's just um you know it's important you know and, and again you know we've had this conversation before people are like well geez you know that well that's great that you guys do all that but that's not the job of the police I'm like well why not um you know I, if we have the ability to do something and we are part of the community um and the community 
um, needs assistance, why would we, why, if we have the ability, why pass it on to somebody else and say, "I'm sorry, I can't help you"? We've had a lot of conversations about this over the past couple of years, particularly through my role in Post. And I was actually I just had an academy graduation, and the keynote speaker, who was a retired uh, state police lieutenant, made this comment. Too many people, including too many people on the job, hear the title of police officer and their default mindset is law enforcement officer. And we use that title. Right? We cl- proudly claim to be Leos. But that's one element in the description of a police officer. That's one element. And it's important to recognize that when the Commonwealth passed police reform, they didn't name the post commission the police officer standards and training commission. It's the peace officer standing standards and training commission because the definition of a peace officer is much more broad than law enforcement officer. And the two elements that people don't understand is it's solving problems and maintaining the quality of life. So yes, it is the job of the police to figure out these creative solutions to things like this. It's in the description, you know, and especially, you know, I just, I wouldn't feel good if, you know, we had these resources literally at the touch of a dial on the phone um, or at your fingertips to be able to help somebody and just not take advantage. Yeah, we didn't do it. Yeah, I just can't. But, you know, um, yeah. And, and the other piece of it is who else, right? It's midnight on Christmas morning. We're there, right? We're on the other end of the phone. Our partners in, in red are there. Our partners on EMS are there. No one else is coming, right? If it's midnight at Christmas morning, everything is closed. <laughs> so, yeah, I've woken up a couple of people, you know, uh, at the wrong time, yeah. you know, on the days. But they also understand that if I'm calling and maybe I missed the call, I'll leave a message. They know it's something, usually something legit. Right. Um, and they know when I kind of join forces with them, um, you know, whether in Berkshire Dream Center, you know, let's use that for an example that uh, with Caitlin and her amazing crew there, that if there's a house fire, you know, right. we, we know we have Red Cross, but Red Cross comes out of Springfield yeah. and we know it takes sometimes up to two hours for them to get there. Well, in the meantime, we can start the ball rolling on our end with our local organizations that can give them other things um, such as clothes or food or vouchers or you know the Salvation Army for, uh, for instance you know has you know gift cards for families that are in those situations we, we haven't so talked about it in a long time and I actually didn't do anything about it during this holiday season because I was I was still finishing my family leave but you know similarly uh, I responded to a structure fire this was probably five or six years ago, because uh, I was still on the call down list for structure fires. We got everybody out. We made a game day plan, a change to the plan. Instead of sheltering one of the schools, we we're gonna shelter in the senior center because it was closer and we had unrestricted access without having to fire up the school district. Uh, and we had a kitchen in there. And so we got everybody out and getting them into out of the elements was easy. But I was shocked when I got there that everybody had gotten out of the apartments with their cell phones, mm. which was helpful. But after they had been in shelter for several hours trying to track down relatives and track down resources, their phones were dying. Yep. I was able, because you know, the staff that was on helped me, we had a bunch, because we used to collect the cell phones for the Rise and Hope line, and pe- we were only supposed to take cell phones, but people drop off everything. We had a bunch of charging cables in the Hope line box, so we brought them down and could charge those phones. But after that, we started collecting charging cables Mm. we have a go bag in the station full of different types of charging cables so if we have to respond to a shelter operation people can charge their phones right yeah i mean it's just it's just they're just simple things like that um that just are going to help everybody involved on both sides so it's so we've got two minutes left before we have to take a break for station identification we've been talking a lot about community engagement i'll just i'll wrap up this segment uh so i was teaching a class last night and uh This is a class I hadn't taught since before the pandemic, and it's a class we generally try to avoid teaching if we can outsource it to a private entity, Um, but it was actually my parish that was looking for it, so they asked me, and I I did it uh, kind of as a member of the congregation. So we did the civilian response to active shooter event training for the vestry leadership and and some of the church staff. Um, And that is a training program that we do have within the department that we can offer, but again, uh, there are better entities to provide that type of training depending on what segment of, 
of work and industry you're in. We're, we're a good fallback, but we always encourage you to work through your professional organizations first. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a couple of my fellow parishioners who didn't sleep well last night, hmm. and uh, they're probably not very happy with me this yeah. morning. Yeah. Uh, those are heavy, heavy topics. Um, but one of the things that we were talking about during that is this, this idea of social engineering and social contagion. And there's a video in the program. They do an experiment where actors simulate that they're ill mm-hmm. in a crowded metropolitan area, and they count how long it takes before anybody offers them help. And depending on how they're dressed, so the same actor uh, dressed kind of like um, like a homeless person, almost forty minutes. We put him in a suit, four minutes. <laughs> it's crazy. Mm. All right, let's uh, take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll shift gears to some things that are happening in the department. Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, January 6th. Greetings. Today, cloudy, a high of 38 with rain and snow. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low of 30. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high of 36. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecast and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Tim Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! Pittsville residents, have you heard about Code Red? It's the city's emergency alert program, and it keeps you informed on the latest updates and notifications, including but not limited to weather-related emergencies, road closures, and water main breaks. So stay connected and be informed. Text Pittsville to 99411 to enroll or visit cityofpittsfield.org to sign up. Hello, my name is Sergeant Mark Madalena with the Pittsfield Police Department. As you know, decisions we make every day can affect us for the rest of our lives. What you may not realize is that you are 23% more likely to be involved in a collision while you are texting and driving. That means texting and driving makes you 23 times more likely to cause a crash. Every day in the United States, 9 people are killed and more than 1,000 are injured as a result of a crash caused by a distracted driver. Remember, put down the phone and arrive alive. Don't text and drive. This message is brought to you by the Pittsburgh Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Still paying for that monthly gym membership? (coughs) How about that streaming service you never watch? Why not support WTBR-FM instead? For just $8.97 a month, you can show your support for our community radio station today. Go to WTBRFM.com and click Donate. It's as easy as that. We need to support this station to keep it on the air. And every little bit helps. WTBRFM for the love of radio. You're with us, Ron. What do you think? Just... It's terrible! She has beautiful eyes and her hair smells like cinnamon! Mm-hmm. Loud noises! WTBR. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. And as I forgot to mention at the top of the hour, again, also available on all your popular podcast platforms. Was that from The Office? Uh, I believe that was uh, Anchorman. That's Anchorman. Oh, Anchorman. That's Anchorman. Ron oh, Burgundy. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, so we've been talking about community engagement and some of our experiences in the community engagement realm. We're going to shift gears here a little bit. Um, Talk about the snow. Is it is it sticking now? Uh, yeah. No, but it's bigger flakes. I, you know, I was so driving. Th- I was driving to drop the, my son off at daycare this morning before I came in here, and you know that point in time when the you can see the rain is it, it it changes the way it hits the glass and how it starts to like move and like this is gonna be snow very shortly and turned and looked at the thermometer it's like 36 37 yep it's happening um i don't know you live in new england long enough you start to pick up on things like this so um officer derby in his role as safety officer he's like we said he's got a bunch of other stuff going on he's also one of our department's dare officers after officer ortega retired we had to completely revamp and repivot so we had for the longest time we had one dare officer doing all the schools um and 
we realized it just wasn't sustainable. Uh, it, it wasn't fair either. On top so, of his yeah. regular shift. Yeah, plus all the stuff he did in the community. So it, I think we're up to like five or six dare officers oh now. <laughs> I, I still don't. I'm still baffled <laughs> yeah. at how he kept track of everything. I, I just... He had a lot of teachers doing it for him. He got credit for a lot of stuff that the teachers were doing. Yeah, I, I love Iron Mike, but yeah, there, he he was he was he resourceful. Was, he was resourceful. He was he was taking advantage of those relationships. Um, so with the Dare officers fit within what internally we refer to as the Youth Services Bureau. Youth Services is juvenile officer. Um, all of our DARE officers and our school resource officers and uh, youth services is engaged heavily in community engagement because they're also responsible for our Explorer post. But uh, I wanted to talk briefly about the school resource officers. So school resource officer program in the Pittsfield Police Department is one of the oldest school resource officer programs in the Commonwealth. We've had a presence in our schools, at least in our high schools, since 1989 in some capacity we actually had a presence in the schools before that but that was an operational presence not a community engagement presence um i think that we can break the seal so i I currently serving member of the department was actually um like it was like 21 jump street before 21 jump street she was in the schools under another name for a year working a long-term drug investigation (laughs) in the 80s um yeah the the secret archives um, so, uh, so we were 21 jump street before it, ha- we were 21 jump. Well, no, t- I mean, 21 jump street was in the mid eighties. Cause yeah. that came out when I was in high school. And then this was right that's around that cr- that's time. Crazy. Yeah. The, uh, special enforcement unit embedded in undercover. <laughs> uh, it, it was a long-term drug investigation and the targets were in the school. So, um, all right. So. The history of the school resource officer program, the status of the school resource officer program, largely due to staffing issues, has been in a huge state of flux for the last several years. <clears throat> but it wasn't entirely due to staffing issues. It was also due to changes in the law. And so up until a few years ago, the department could maintain a school resource officer program pretty much with no additional training. Now, we didn't do that. We provided our SROs with a lot of additional training, but it wasn't required. It was what we did because we thought it was the right thing to do. But... About five or six years ago, the attorney general came down with some recommendations that really carried the authority of regulations. And they basically said, if you're going to have a SRO program, you have to have this detailed memorandum of understanding that kind of specifies the duties and descriptions that they, the things they can be involved in. And the school district has to be involved in the selection. And so we did that, but it really, really kind of almost cut down on the available pool of candidates because the educational requirements are different. The training requirements are different. And we, we were understaffed. We still are understaffed, but the staffing numbers were such that we couldn't, as we were losing SROs and they were retiring or taking other assignments or promoting, we couldn't backfill fast enough. So we went from four SROs to two SROs to one SRO. Uh, and then, you know, all this stuff happened in 2020, 2021. And then the question was, we were ever going to have, we were even going to have SROs at all. So we went through that process. The district did the internal study and then police reform passed and they changed the requirements. And now it's a law that to have SROs, they have to have specific training. They have to meet certain requirements. Um, so it got even harder, but we're committed to the program as long as the district wants us to uh, maintain the program. And so <clears throat> I had made a I had made a commitment to Officer Godfrey, our longstanding school resource officer, that after the first of the year and when we got some student officers out of the academy, that we would assign another SRO. So instead of covering all four schools, she could go back to covering two schools. They would each cover one high school and one middle school. And then as we were coming into the tail end of the year and patrol was looking at their plan for 2023 and how they were going to staff the shifts. And Captain Kirchner, the patrol division commander, was looking at the calls for service we were handling in and around the schools. He came to me and said, hey, chief, not for nothing. Uh, Given the call volume that we're handling in and around the schools and the fact that these guys are going to graduate from the academy, I'd rather give you two which I never get that from a commander. It just never happens. Um, and so we posted for one, and we interviewed candidates, and then uh, 
we vetted them and, and cleared both candidates. And so right before Christmas, I was uh, exchanging emails with Superintendent Curtis and uh, Mr. Lamoureux, the safety uh, coordinator for the district. And I said, you know, if, if you're willing to interview them and accept them, patrol's willing to, to give up both. And so right before Christmas, we cut personnel orders transferring two patrol officers to youth services to start as school resource officers. And even though patrol isn't scheduled to change shifts and assignments until next weekend, we decided that we would have these officers change shifts and assignments to coincide with the return to the schools after the holiday break. So on Tuesday, uh, Officer Izina Dagenfriend, I think I pronounced it right, and Officer Nancy A.J. Jumo uh, were assigned to the Pittsfield Public Schools as additional school resource officers. They're awaiting their initial NASRO training, but they're within the window that they can start to um, train up on the job with Officer Godfrey. And so what we decided to do is Officer Godfrey goes back to her home assignment of SRO at PHS. Uh, Izzy goes to Taconic, and AJ will cover the two middle schools. And so um, we, made, we made that shift. They're in their assignments now. Uh, haven't gotten a progress report from Officer Godfrey, but I also haven't heard any issues or problems, so no news is good news on that front. And um, I want to thank Captain Kirchner for you know being a team player and having the foresight to actually do the call analysis. To it, it was, it was going to be less impactful on patrol to lose an entire officer than it was to continue to respond to calls for service in the school from patrol. So, uh, not an easy decision for him to make. Other division commanders not happy because they want drug investigators and detectives. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's a, you got to make the decisions that you can make based on the real reality. One of the things that took some pressure off is uh, we've had on the show in the past uh, new officer, Caleb Simony. He's probationary. He's in field training right now. But the other thing is we just had two officers uh, graduate from the academy uh, last week, officers Doyle and Walters. And so they're... Uh, Finishing their admin week today, making sure all their gear is squared away and they're straightened out and they'll start field training on Sunday. Uh, and there was the, the fact that we were going to have those three people available before we really hit the heavy part of the season that allowed the captain to do that. Yeah. Is it Doyle? Was he like six, six one? He's a big boy. And then and then the other gentleman, Walters, is <laughs> so five I, one. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't received them yet. So I, they they went to the Boylston Academy, which is we don't normally use Boylston, but we couldn't get an academy slot closer, and we didn't want to miss the opportunity to get them trained. So I had to drive out to the academy graduation. It was in the community of Franklin. I don't know if I'd ever been there before, and uh, and I hadn't met the academy director from Boylston. So at the end of the graduation ceremony, uh, I didn't participate in it. Um, they they do it very differently than we do it at Western Mass, and so. Um, the executive director of the MPTC and the academy director were up on staff, and I just I want to introduce myself and you know thank them for training up our officers and, and talk to um, Chief Ferrillo and meet the staff instructors. And so I got up there and just exchanging pleasantries and introduced myself. And the academy director started laughing. She whips out her cell phone and she opens her photos. And I, I haven't received the copies yet. They said they would send them to me. I'm still waiting. I'm gonna have to send a tickler email. They had class picture day when they have to show up in their uniform in their class A's and take their pictures. And the staff instructors made them pose together. And then they superimposed them side by side with the movie posters from Twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the first thing I thought of. And there's another one. Uh, I can't remember what the other one was, but they mocked them up as us, simulated movie posters. It was hilarious. Yeah, I, I didn't, uh, you know, one part of the academy that's always, you know, stuck with me is, you know, as grueling as it was, um, was the ability for the instructors to kind of just insert some laughter. It, you, um, we, if you're a staff, we had a wedding at ours. If you're a staff you know, instructor, so you have to. You know, I, I've said in the past, I, I've had great, I've had the great fortune to have a variety of assignments over the course of my career. The best job I ever had was patrol commander as a lieutenant. Um, I think the most impactful job I had was field training officer. That was, but being field training officer was a lot of pressure. The hardest job I ever had was staff instructor because you have to stay in that role, mm. and um, it's just it's it's it put, it takes a toll on you. And if you don't introduce moments of levity, um, it it would it would just burn you out and. I, I laugh about it sometimes because uh, 
you know, if you've never been in and around the military, you would think that military drill instructors don't do that. I promise you, even in the military, the drill instructors do that. They, they just have to sometimes. Um, I was at Quantico for OCS, and we were lined up on the, um, we lined up getting ready to go through the obstacle course. And you're lined up, you're getting ready to do your PT stuff. You're just supposed to stand there at like a modified position of attention. You're not supposed to move around. You're not supposed to smoke and joke. And there was a guy in my platoon, and he was nervous that he wasn't going to be able to get over the high bar to do the college roll. And so he's, he's thinking it through in his head, and he just couldn't help himself. He started, like, rehearsing. And so he's supposed to be standing in a modified position of attention, and his body starts moving because he's trying to, like, play out what he's rehearsing in his head. And the, the drill instructors, the uh, staff instructors caught him. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, start practicing, sir. And they put us in a wagon wheel around him. And they's like, keep doing it, keep practicing. And we're this, you know, sixty officer candidates standing around this kid. It's five thirty in the morning, and the drill instructors are like, everybody, go ninja, go ninja, go, go. And we have to start chanting this. And he's in the middle, and you know, it was just this moment that will forever be burned in my mind because you know these are Marine drill instructors training future officers, and they had to seize that moment. So yeah, we had um, you know several at our academy, but one. <clears throat> In particular, other than uh, one of our classmates got married on the weekend, so we came back and we actually had to have a, a rehearsal dinner. Yeah. A rehearsal dinner with EPOs are there yeah. eating lunch, and you know, you know, and there's a mannequin in the middle of the floor with a wedding dress, yeah. and, you know. Um, but the other one was uh, a kid. I, I'm not sure why he did it still to today, but I think he actually moved on to MSP. He didn't want to keep his keys in his lockbox in the in the room. And he had put him in a sock and he had done it for like, I don't know, six Got weeks. Away with it. And we were in doing PT and doing modified something and the keys fell out of his sock and the people are, and immediately we're like, uh oh. Like shark attack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then from that point on, um, every time they looked at him and they pretended like they had like a remote in their hand, he would have to he say, had to chirp. Yeah. Beep, beep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I mean, we could tell stories like this all day. I had a, uh, when I was a staff instructor, I, and I won't say the, the family name because these people are still in law enforcement, but I had a brother of somebody that I had served with for a long time. He was in the class, and he, like, kept banging his head off of stuff, and I got frustrated one morning at PT, so I rolled out to my truck and grabbed my SWAT helmet, and I made him finish PT <laughs> in the SWAT helmet. His nickname was Helmet Boy. He's still on the job. And... Um, when I was in the academy, so I went to the old uh, Western Mass Academy in Agawam, Feeding Hills, and in service, you know, we sequestered, but we weren't, right? They, we were in the same hall. We used the same restrooms. And so the staff instructors left one day to go to, like, a chief's meeting, and the in-service group came down and started playing games with us. They're not supposed to be in our, our classroom. And I had a classmate. Again, I won't say that because he's still on the job. His seniors came in from their lunch, and they brought him a McDonald's Happy Meal. And we were on strict nutrition protocol, so there's no way. And they're like, eat the Happy Meal. And he says, sorry, I can't. And they're like, you're only going to be here for eight more weeks. You're going to be with us for the rest of your career. We're ordering you. Eat the Happy Meal. And we're just looking at it. We're like, dude, eat the Happy Meal. Get that evidence out of our classroom. But the toy in the Happy Meal was a My Little Pony, like a little uh. pink My Little Pony. And they're like, this is your partner and your backup for the rest of your time here. You have your partner with you. Every, you'll never go anywhere without your partner. So we hid it inside the like inner liner pocket of his cruiser jacket. And it was there for weeks. And then they trashed our lockers. They went through and did like a gear inspection. And they found it. That was a bad day. Bad training day. <laughs> yeah. But the, I mean, people outside would never. There's a lot of games that go on during the academy. There is, yes, yeah. and it, it just keep, it keeps you guessing. Yeah, um, and I guess that's all part of the all part it's, of the game. It's the stress. You know, it's, it's the just, pressure. I tell our student officers when they get ready to go to the academy, it's like they're gonna they're gonna ask you something, and you're gonna know what to do, and you'll be wrong because if you do what you think is right. They'll change what the expectation was. You can't ever be right. You can never be 100% in the academy because the staff instructors have a plan to make you wrong. It's part of the pressure. It's part of the stress. All right. So uh, patrol is getting ready for their annual movement. If you're new to, if you don't know the structure of the department, um, we, we change shifts and assignments if, if people choose to annually. 
Um, we put the bids together in the end of December before we go into the holidays, and then we switch on the weekend of the first full pay period in the new year. So that's coming up. I think it's the 16th. And uh, I don't know. I've, I've seen the, the shift bid lists, and I know what it looks like. I thought there was going to be a lot more movement. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's still a lot of movement, there's, even there's, uh, supervisor-wise. Yeah, supervisors, there's a lot of movement. Yep. Um, but so everybody, you know, will, will change to their, their new shift. And then the shift commanders will sit down with their supervisors and they'll assign the new beats and everybody will kind of like find out what their job is going to be for the next year. Less movement outside of the patrol division. It does happen. I know there's some detectives swapping, uh, swapping shifts, which rarely, rarely happens. Mm. Um, and then one of the things that we've allowed command, um, Commanding, most of the command works an administrative schedule. We work a regular work week. But uniformed command traditionally has worked on the same lines as one of their supervisors. And they, in their contract negotiations, they ask for the option. So we've got a couple commanders who will be shifting uh, to an alternative schedule as well. And that's, that's, that's you know, their choice. Um, so. I, I know uh, part of our last contract negotiations, they were, they, we had, asked about doing the six uh, is a six month so i don't know if that's they, still in the works or. so you you want it during negotiations and then withdrew it after you settled oh we did yeah. okay well see that's <laughs> too much going on so yeah yeah <laughs> um I, I, something happened between uh, the settling the contract and implementing the contract and mm. so and i yeah. don't think it's going to happen yeah. it's, it it was allowed so it could still happen yeah. i don't think it's going to happen um so we talked about the new graduates. We got the two guys starting field training. Um, shared a little laughter at their expense. Sorry, guys. I talked to, uh, you know, just shifting a little bit, I talked to uh, Captain Kirchner the other day, and I don't know if he's updated you on the the newer fleet coming no. in, but everything's been delayed because yeah. of it's... We can't get cars. No. Um, it's, <laughs> it, it's it not, I mean, when I say we can't get cars, it's not like they're they're late so we, we we run a special purpose pickup truck, support services pickup truck, and we I love our truck. It, it, we use it for everything, but um, it's big. And for some of the stuff we need, like just hitting a radar trailer or something, it, it's sometimes it's not useful. So the captain was like, maybe we should you know have access to a smaller truck. And we put a um, bid specification list out for the smaller truck, and they just called us. They're like, yeah, Ford's not building that truck. They're just not going to build it. So we can't. We can't get the truck. Um, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, the Ford Explorers are just, they're they are so far behind. I think, yeah. I think uh, Captain said something about they were, I don't know, 60-plus cars behind or yeah. something like and that. That's just our upfitter. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. It, it's, across the, it's across the nation. Departments are having a hard time getting cars, which is bad for us because we try to, we try to maintain on the patrol side, we try to keep the cars less than three years because we're hard on cars. And once they come out of warranty, it gets much more expensive to maintain them. So we try to rotate those cars offline. They might go into a support role. They might become a backup. They might go to another unit. But we really try to, because our cars run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, they, they're almost never, they, they get turned off when the guys are in the state, guys and gals are in the station writing reports. But other than that, they're running. So, mm. yeah, we are hard on cars. Um, what else is going on? I'm trying to think. Uh you know, I don't. I don't have anything right now. I had something. I wanted to talk about something going on, but I don't remember. Oh, uh, the overdose, the exposure. Oh, yeah, I don't know if you want to touch on that. Um, now, but. I. So yeah, um, it's something we it, see daily, you know, across the country, but never really well, think about it. So well, the issue. The issue is, and one of the reasons I'm kind of hesitant is. The science, so I, I have a colleague, they work locally, they're on the EMS side, and they're frequently on socials on these stories because the science doesn't support the claim, right? The, the medical evidence says it can't happen, and yet we keep seeing it happen, and now it just happened to one of our people. And so there's no question something happened. The question is whether it, sh it should be properly classified as a unintended exposure or an overdose. But in any case, we recovered some evidence last week, foreign substance on it, uh, substance went airborne, and the officer who was handling the evidence was exposed to this substance, which 
ultimately tested positive for fentanyl. And um, so they had a they had an adverse reaction. They got them down to the hospital. They treated them. Uh, they were released. They're they're fine. They're, they're come back from their two days off. They're going to be fine. The reason I'm hesitant to talk about this is we early on. I don't think that was the chief yet. We got intelligence, and it, we got it from our counterparts in the DEA that said, you know, fentanyl is a killer. An airborne exposure, you could die from it. You know, we our, our drug investigators carry Narcan exactly for that. Our canine handlers carry Narcan for that. But since the original, now the DEA has backed off of that original story because there's plenty of SWAT docs out there. And they're like, we're telling you, you can't inhale enough of this stuff to OD. It doesn't. That's not the mechanism. And so there's a theory out there that because we've been told this and fed this for so long that it's actually a severe anxiety attack. Hmm. And if you look at the symptoms that the personnel display, they are not consistent with the symptoms of a central nervous system depressant. It's the opposite. All of the symptoms appear to mirror what you would happen if you were exposed to a stimulant. But fentanyl is a depressant. Hmm. So um, there's, there's a growing body of evidence that it's psychosomatic. So we'll have, to, we'll have to figure that out. Yeah. But yes, we did have an inadvertent exposure. We're investigating to figure out exactly what it was. Our officer is fine. Um, but I, so I, I know that my friend is listening and he's going to be blowing up my phone shortly. And like, <laughs> it, it is scientifically not possible. Um, so, But you yeah. put that warning out there. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so more to come on that. Well, he's, he's okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't want to. I think the quote was the hangover was worse than the dose. <laughs> so <laughs> or the hangover wasn't worth that or something like that, but he's fine. All right. So we're almost out of time. We've got a couple minutes left. It's 2023. Happy new year. Darren plans for the weekend. Uh, yeah, none. Oh, oh, I have a uh, Yankee swap family. Yankee swap. I once a year we get to see all my crazy farming family Friends that that's not none yeah well i mean it's you know where 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 do you have to go uh, to? hancock yeah yeah it's the safest place on earth to be okay <laughs> you looking forward to this i am i am yeah okay yeah it's a little sauna before that uh traditional sauna at three o'clock and then five o'clock is the crazy melee yankee swap party and yeah will there be pictures um i i I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I won't be taking them. <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody there that will be taking them because there's all kinds of um, just shenanigans going on. Shenanigans. So. All right. <laughs> shenanigans, one of the most famous uh, cop bars in police movie yes. history. Yes. Dave, plans for the weekend? Uh, I'll be tonight. We'll be going live from Pittsfield High School tonight with DeConnick versus PHS Varsity Girls Basketball tonight nice. on TV. So nice. We've been doing a lot more uh, sports. So that'll be tonight live from Pittsfield High School. It's 5.30 p.m. tip-off. Yeah, I just... Intercity um, rivalry. I just uh, worked a girls uh, DeConnick game the other night. They don't have a JV team. No. They don't have enough for JV this no. year, which they, is... We did a game earlier. We did the War on the Floor yes, last month. Yes. And some of the varsity girls... Yeah, came joined down, down, came down. Yeah, just because of the war on the floor and what that means to the city wow. to have all four games. Well, and played. I think that's that is this, you know that's something Taconic. I know we're getting off topic. Something Taconic was actually talking about because of the vocational, the, of the vocational change, change, the amount of kids. So, mm-hmm. but Chief, what do you got for plans other than you know I am spending some time with your son? Yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to the training. Uh, the the holidays really threw me off my training schedule because we were, the dojo was closed for the, the holidays and the extended and then I got snowed out and then graduation so I only trained once in like the last two weeks usually so holidays throw off our diet schedules usually there's that too yeah that happened yeah, yeah that mat was long <laughs> on Thursday night um, so yeah I'm looking forward to training um, I gotta spend a little time I, 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 I don't necessarily like saying it in this form but I spent one day last week updating my CV my curriculum vitae and I've got to spend a little time this week updating my resume um, so there's there's a little bit of office work to do on that. <laughs> when was the last time you did that? <laughs> uh, the last time I updated my CV, I, I was shocked. The last time I updated my CV at all was 2018. I was going to say maybe okay. for the post. Did you uh, have to do anything for the post? Uh, it hap- it, so yeah, that was yeah. that was right around that time. The last time I f- officially like updated my resume was 1995. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oof. 
So yeah, I got to do that. Um, so to all of our viewers and listeners, thanks for tuning in this week to another new live episode of On Patrol with the PPD. Um, we're going to be doing some of the pre-taped format and, and switching some of the shows as we go forward just because of availability and staffing. Uh, we're going to may possibly be doing some remotes. I'm trying to work to get Marjo and Slater on our show. Oh! Uh, uh, but <laughs> until that happens, until next time, be safe, be happy, be healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8.